Chapter 10 of Sand Seal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Recorded on February 16, 2018. Sand Seal by Susan Warner. Chapter 10. The two ladies paused at a safe distance. There seemed to be nothing but boys astir, boys and nuts, and these last not dropping from the tree, but thrown from hand to hand hand to head would be more correct, of the busy throng, some picking up, some throwing stones to bring down, others at some flat stone shucking, others still filling their baskets, and four boys out of five, cracking and eating whatever else they were about. The grass trodden down, by the many feet, lay in prostrate shadow at the foot of a great tree, and the shadows of other trees fell and met in soft wavy outline. From the side of one old tree, a family of gray squirrels looked out to see the besiegers lay waste the surrounding country. In the top of another, a tall hickory, full clad with golden leaves, Mr. Linden sat, to view the same country himself, well knowing that he had given the boys full occupation for at least fifteen minutes. He was not very visible from below, so thickly did the gold leaves close him in, but Faith heard one of the boys call out, "'You Johnny Fax, if you throw stones in that tree, you'll hit Mr. Linden.' "'Trust Johnny Fax for not never throwing so high as he is,' said Joe Deacon. "'I don't want to,' said Johnny Fax. "'I don't want to fetch him down.' Whereupon there was a general shout, and, "'Guess you'd better not, Johnny. He might come if you didn't just hit him,' vociferated from various quarters. "'My,' Mrs. Derrick said, surveying the golden hickory. "'How on earth did he ever get up?' "'And how do you suppose, Faith, he'll ever get down?' Faith's low laugh was her only answer, but it would have told to anybody who would thoroughly have translated it, Faith's mind on both points. Apparently he was in no haste to come down, certainly meant to send the nuts first, for a sudden shower of hickory nuts and leaves swept away every boy from the tree near which Faith and her mother stood, and threw them all into its vortex. Drop, drop, the nuts came down, with their sweet patter upon the grass, while the golden leaves fell singly, or in sprays, or floated off upon the calm air. "'Child,' said Mrs. Derrick, "'how pretty it is. I haven't seen a sight since—since since a long while ago,' she added with a sobering face. "'I want to be there, under the tree,' said Faith, looking on enviously. "'No, mother, and I haven't seen it before in a long time, either. It's as pretty as can be.' "'Run along, then, child,' said her mother. "'Only take care of your eyes. Why shouldn't you? I don't want to pick up nuts myself, but I'll go down and pick you up.' Faith, however, kept away from the crowd under the hickory tree, and went peering about under some others where the ground was beaten and the branches had been, and soon found enough spoil to be hammering away with a stone on a rock like the rest. But she couldn't escape the boys so, for little runners came to her constantly. One brought a handful of nuts, another a better stone, while a third told her of lots under the other tree, and Reuben Taylor was ready to crack or climb as she chose to direct. "'If you'll come down the other side, Miss Faith,' said Reuben, "'down by the bank you could see it all a great deal better.' Faith seized two or three nuts and jumped up, and Reuben led the way through the leaf-strewn grass to the other side of the mob. But mobs are uncertain things. No sooner was Faith seen approaching the hickory— though yet full three feet from the utmost bound of its shadow, then a sudden pause in the great business of the day was followed by such a tumultuous shout of, Three cheers for Miss Faith Derrick, the prettiest girl in Pataclasset, that she was well-nigh deafened, 
and promptly upon that joe deacon stepped up to reuben and whispered that'll fetch him down faith did not hear the words she only heard reuben's indignant joe deacon behave yourself what makes you always leave your manners home that big basket of yours could have held them all easy i didn't know but sam might want em replied the unabashed joe dashing back into the midst of his compartments while reuben at last reached the pretty lookout on the edge of the woods where faith could see the whole meadow and its scattered trees and having placed her there ran off again standing half hidden by the oaks and chestnuts she could see the whole group clustering about the climber now for he had come down from his high post boys he said i'm going back to the house for dinner any boy who prefers nuts to dinner may stay and pick em up a sudden recollection came over faith that her fire was probably well down and coffee in not in a state presentable taking a survey of the ground and calculating that so large a company would want a little time to get under way she slipped round to where her mother sat giving her a word set off fleetly and skilfully under the cover of some outstanding chestnuts across the fallow if she had known it faith need not have shunned to show her running for prettier running could not be she was soon hidden in the further woodland the rest of the party took it more leisurely so their outrunner easily gained her point and having put her fire in order stood at the door to watch the progress of the coming invasion it looked enough like that for though excellent order of the march had been kept for most of the way the main body of the troops maintaining a proper position in the rear of their captain who was quietly escorting mrs derrick over the meadows no sooner did the whole band come in sight of the distant place of lunch baskets then it became manifest for the hundred thousandth time that liberty too long enjoyed leads to license scattering a little from the direct line of march the better to cover their purpose or evade any check thereto as if by concert first one and then another set off in a run sprang the orchard fence and by the time the mid-orchard was reached all of mr linden's force with the exception of one or two of the very steadiest were ahead of him and straining in full run if not in full cry for the now near at hand farmhouse quarry beyond all call or hindrance standing at the kitchen door faith watched their coming but discerning beyond their runners the one or two figures that did not indeed bring up the rear but that covered it and supposing that the invader's object was to storm the wagon in which the lunch baskets were hid she stood her ground till she perceived that the foremost of the band were making straight for the kitchen door and all the rest in their order faith gave back a little and the whole horde poured in the fire was in a brisk blaze the table had a nice white cups and napperies on it the nose of the coffee-pot was steaming it looked altogether an inviting place down went hats and caps on the floor from some of the party and the whole of them with flushed faces and open mouths took the survey ain't it jolly here i wonder if he'll let us take our dinner in here there's lots of room it's good shady it's a long sight better than under the trees coffee i'm blessed said a fifth speaker bending over the fireplace while a sixth began slyly to inspect what lay under faith's napkins on the table charlie said mr linden's quiet voice from the doorway did miss derrick desire you to uncover her dishes the hand slipped from what it had touched as stealthily the boy's eye went to the face of the speaker in the one place if not in the other to see what there might be i will bear witness that you have carried the house mr linden went on now i should like to see you carry the wagon 
it will be more useful enterprise than this only remember that one of the first duties of a surprise party is to go forth softly where will we carry the wagon to sir inquired one of the party as far from the house as you can said mr linden with a little glance at faith come be off great enterprises are never finished till they are begun i'd like to begin dinner anyhow said one catching up his cap and leading off as quick and more quick than it had been filled the room was cleared and laughing faith watched the busy swarm as they poured towards their magazine then remembered her own and came back to offer it you may as well rest mr linden said faith as she offered him a cup of coffee i'm sure they are all comfortable besides you particularly desired a fire and somebody in the house you know miss faith he said taking the cup however i'm afraid your notions of duty are very slack what sort of a captain would you make to a beleaguered city i shall make you read the story of catherine douglas will you said faith looking very pleased and what is beleaguered mr linden in the meantime beleaguered means to be beset with a swarm of invaders who want to come in and ought to be kept out i didn't know i ought to keep them out said faith laughing or i'd have done it mr linden shook his head doubtfully i saw you give way he said i doubt whether there was even a show of resistance now catherine douglas but i must go no don't tempt me with apple pie you have no idea of the pies in that wagon perhaps if i successfully threw them i'll come back and dispose of yours what are you reading to-day le philosophy a little soberness came over faith's smile as she shook her head and said no i can't stay to ask a question upon that but i'll ask you two by and by to pay for it and he went out to that little cluster of life that hung about the great wagon making himself at once the centre of pleasure and interest and even fun as faith's eye and ear now and then informed her it was pretty the way they closed in about him wild and untutored as they were pretty to see him meet them so easily on their ground yet always inciting enticing them towards something better mrs derrick thought so too for she stood in the doorway and smiled very pleasantly he's a real nice man faith she said i don't wonder the boys like him faith did not wonder at it but she did not answer though she too stood looking the ladies had finished their lunch and mr linden had perhaps not finished his for he came in again to take another cup of coffee while the boys were disposing of that very ragged piece of time which the end of the boys feast invariably is so much peace and quietness he gave himself if he did not give himself a sandwich of which i am not certain mr linden said faith i want to ask something will you tell me if you don't like it don't like to have you ask me do you mean i do like it then said faith half laughing will you tell me if you don't quite like what i mean i'll see mr linden replied with a smile it's not safe for teachers to commit themselves but i must commit myself said faith i want to go and pick up nuts with the boys under the trees may i she looked for her answer with an eye that thought he might possibly find an objection where she saw none he paused a little before he replied i think you may if i could be among them and answer for their good behaviour i should not think about it but you know a man loses power when he is too far above the heads of his audience yet i think i may trust them and you he added with a little smile especially as the first tree touched this afternoon is yours what does that mean said faith her doubt all gone do you think i shall so far forget my office as to let them pick up nuts for nobody but themselves 
therefore the first tree this afternoon is for you or if you please for your mother the second for mr simlins if that will take away your desire for the fun why i cannot help it i have no objections to pick up nuts for mother not even for mr simlins said faith smiling and i am not afraid of the boys i know half of them you know thank you mr linden you might if i could take you up into the treetop there is fine reading on those upper shelves her eye shewed instantly that she liked the higher fun best not the treetop verily but the reading that she could not get at yet for faith there were charms plenty below the treetops in both kinds and she looked very happy well mr linden said as the successful meeting of one emergency always helps us in the next and it is quite impossible to tell what you may meet under those nut trees let me give you a little abstract of Catherine Douglas, before you read it, and before I go. The said lady, wishing to keep the door against sundry lords and gentlemen who came with murderous intent against her sovereign, and finding her no bar to aid her loyal endeavours, did boldly thrust her own arm through the stanchions of the door. To be sure, the brave lady's arm was soon broken, but after all, what did that signify? and with a laughing gesture of farewell he once more left the house with which cessation of murmuring voices mrs derrick awoke from her after-dinner nap in the rocking-chair faith was standing in the middle of the floor smiling and looking in a puzzle mother will you go over to the nutting again i'm a great deal more likely to go to sleep again said mrs derrick rubbing her eyes it's the sleepiest place i ever saw in my life or else it's having nothing to do i don't doubt you're half asleep too faith only you won't own it the decision was that mrs derrick preferred to sit quiet in the house and she said she would maybe run down by and by and see what they were at so faith took her sunbonnet kissed her mother and went forth with light step over the meadow and through the orchard the nutting party she found a little further on in the same edge of woodland it seemed that they had pitched upon a great chestnut for her tree, and Faith was half concerned to see what a quantity of work they had given themselves on her account. However, the proverb of many hands was verified here. The ground under the chestnut tree was like a colony of ants, while the capacious head of the tree their captain, established quite at his ease, was whipping off the burrs with a long pole. Faith took a general view as she came up, and then fell upon the chestnut burrs like the rest of them, and no boy there worked more readily or joyously. There seemed little justification of Mr. Linden's doubts of the boys or fears for her. Faith was everything among them, and making Reuben's prophecy true, that they would all enjoy themselves a great deal better for her being there, throwing nuts into the baskets of the little boys and pleasant words at the heads of the big ones, that hit softly and did gentle execution, giving sly handfuls to Reuben, and then hammering out for some little fellows the burrs that her hands were yet more unfit to deal with than his, and doing it all with a will that the very spirit of enjoyment seemed to have moved. She, in any danger of rude treatment from those boys, nothing further from the truth, and so her happy face informed Mr. Linden, when he at last ascended to terra firma out of the stripped chestnut tree. He did not say anything, but leaning up against the great brown trunk of the chestnut, took a pleased survey of the whole, and then went to work with the rest. "'Boys,' he said, "'aren't there enough of you to open these burrs as fast as Miss Derrick can pick out the nuts? You should never let a lady prick her fingers when you can prick yours in her place.' There was a general shout and rush at this, which made Faith give way before it. 
the birds disappeared fast the brown nuts gathered into an immense heap that tree was done hurrah for mr simlin shouted all the boys throwing up their caps into the air then turning somersets and wrestling and rolling over by way of further relief to their feelings the chestnut beyond that red maple for him said mr linden flinging a little stone in the right direction at which with another shout the little tornado swept away will you follow miss faith or are you tired no i'm not tired yet i must do something for mr simlins well don't handle those burrs he said they're worse than darning needles have you seen kildeer river yet mr linden i have had a bird's eye view faith looked a little wistfully but only said we must look at it after the nutting is done that's a bit of reading hereabout you ought not to pass over i mean to read everything i can too he said with a smile as they reached the tree now mr linden said joe deacon this tree's a whapper how long do you suppose it'll take you to go up about as long as it would you to come down everyone knows how long that would be stand out of my way boys catch all the burrs on your heads and don't let one fall on mrs derrick and amidst the general laugh mr linden swung himself up into the branches in a way that made his words good while joe deacon whistled and danced yankee doodle around the great trunk half at least of mr linden's directions the boys obeyed they caught all the burrs they well could on their own heads faith was too busy among them to avoid catching some on her own bright hair whenever her sunbonnet declined to stay on which happened frequently the new object lent this tree a new interest of its own and boys being of an untiring species of animals the sport went on with no perceptible flagging when this tree too was about half cleared faith withdrew a little from the busy rush and bustle left the chestnuts and chestnut burrs and sat down on the bank to rest and look her eye wandered to the further woodland softest of all in hazy veils to the nearer brilliant vegetation the open fallow the wood behind her where the trees closed in upon each other oftenest of all at the wrapper of a tree in which mr linden still kept his place and at the happy busy sight and sound of all under that tree and so it happened that when in time mr linden came out of mr simlin's chestnut besides the boys he found nobody there but mr simlin's himself well said that gentleman after a cordial grasp of the hand i reckon in the matter of nuts you're going to reduce me to penuriousness how you like neanticut it's a fine place said mr linden and for the matter of nuts you need not take the benefit of the bankrupt act yet mr simlin's over there to see a man on business mr simlin's went on in explanation and thought i'd look at you by the way don't you want to take this farm of me i might want to do it and yet not be able was the smiling reply while one of the smallest boys pulling the tail of the grey coat which mr simlins wore on business and pointing to the heap of nuts said succinctly them's yourn mine said mr simlin well where's yourn what have you done with miss faith derrick why we ain't done nothing to her said the boy she's done a heap to us what has she done to you you green hickory why she's run round first rate said little rob and she's helped me shuck so some of yous thanked her twant you hear you sir said mr simlins addressing this time joe deacon what have you been doing with miss faith derrick i ain't sam was joe's rather cool rejoinder with a slight relapsing into yankee doodle hollo said mr simlins i thought you learned all school could teach you and give up to come 
only the last part is true mr simlins said mr linden who while joe spoke had been himself speaking to one of the other boys mr simlins grunted school ain't all nuts to him he said with a grim smile well which one of you was it twas a fellow about as big as you here you sir addressing in a more assured tone another boy who was a swaggering near you what have you been doing to miss faith it was you twant me nother said the boy surlily nor i hain't done nothing but minded my own business in a tone which implied that mr simlins was not acting on the same laudable principle what has been done said mr linden and certainly his tone implied that he was minding his own business well said mr simlins i don't know as they've done much of anything but i'd guess they'd been giving her some sass or vexing her somehow and as she's a kind of favourite oh mine it riled me i was too fur to hear which was where is she she was round yonder not fur there had been some sort of scrimmage i guess between the two of em a little one and this fellow and she parted em she had hold of this one and i see him first you couldn't have done it better said mr simlins with a sly cast of his eye you can set her to be your vice when you want one i was coming up from the river you see and came up behind em and i couldn't hear what they had said when she let them go i see her kind of give a sheer look around this way and then she put up her hand to her cheek and cleared for home like a gazetteer said mr simlins who had given his information in an undertone made straight tracks for the house i tell ye a little one and which one was the next inquiry mr simlins went peering about among the crowd and finally laid hold of the identical shoulder of little johnny fax ain't it you said mr simlins ain't that red basket yourn johnny nodded i knowed the basket said mr simlins returning that's about all that makes the difference between one boy and another what sort of a basket he carries the other fellow is the one i was speaking to first i can swear to him the big one mr linden took out his watch thank you mr simlins he said boys it's half past four get your nuts and baskets and bring them up to the house reuben taylor do you see that it is done with which words mr linden also made tracks for the house and straight ones but with not too much notice taking of the golden leaves under his feet the truth about faith was this while sitting on the grass taking the pleasure of the place and time the peace was at length broken by discordant sounds in her neighbourhood sounds of harsh voices and scuffling looking round for the cause and meaning of all this she found that the voices came from behind a thicket of sumac and laurel at her back and belonged to some of the boys faith went round the thicket there were a big boy and a little boy tugging at a casket both tugging the little boy holding on to it the little fellow holding to it with all his might while the big boy almost getting it from him with one hand was laying the other very freely about his ears and shoulders faith heard the little one say i'll tell and the other a boy whose name faith had learned only that morning shouted in answer you tell you tell if you dare you tell and i'll kill you leave hold a round blow was given with the words which told but the little boy still held on to his basket for shame phil davids you a big boy said faith there was a stay of proceedings while they looked at her both parties keeping fast hold however and both tongues at once combating for hearing and belief the little boy johnny fax himself said that the nuts were his which the elder denied let him have his nuts phil said faith gently he must have them they belong to him he ain't goin ter though said davids and you can't do nothin if you air mr linden's sweetheart you air mr deacon says you be 
Leave hold, you. Thinking Faith quelled, perhaps, Phil began the struggle again fiercely, with grappling and blows, but Faith laid hold suddenly on the arm that was rising the second time, and bade the boy sternly behave himself and let the basket go. It was not immediately done. He had strength much more than hers, but something withheld him from exerting it. Nothing withheld his tongue. "'Ain't you Mr. Linden's sweetheart?' he said insolently. "'Joe Deacon says you be.' "'No, sir,' said Faith, "'and you are a bad boy.' "'Joe Deacon says you be.' But Faith did not relax her hold, and spoke with a steady voice for that time, at least with a steady eye of command which was obeyed. "'Let him go. Johnny, run off with your basket and be quiet. That's a good boy. Davids, you'll be quiet the rest of the day for your own sake.' The boys parted sullenly, Johnny to run off as she had bidden him, and Faith turned from the green bank, the nut-trees in the frolic, and laying one hand upon the cheek that faced that way, as if to hide it from burning the eyes too far off to see it, she went into the house. She put the brands together which had burnt out, and built the fire on the strictest principles, though no fire was wanted at present. The day had mellowed into warmth. Perhaps Faith recollected that, after she had got through, for she left the fire to take care of itself, and sat down again on the doorstep, looking towards the nut-tree field. For a good while her cheek wore its troubled flush, her hand went up to it once or twice as if to cool it off, but her brow bespoke her, using other and more effectual measures. It cooled at last into complete quietness and sweetness, and Faith's face was just like itself when the first of the party came back from the nut-field. The first one, as we have seen, was Mr. Linden. He found both the ladies in the farmhouse kitchen, Mrs. Derrick very comfortably at her knitting. Faith was doing nothing, but she looked up, and when she looked up with just her own face, not certainly in the happy glow he had seen under the nut-tree, nor with the sparkle of busy pleasure it had worn in the morning, but as it was every day at home. Mr. Linden arranged the fire, and then stood considering it, or something, for a minute in silence, until Mrs. Derrick inquired if he had found as much as he expected. But upon his replying somewhat dryly, rather more, the conversation dropped again. "'You ought to be tired now, Mr. Linden,' said Faith gently. "'I'm afraid you are.' "'No,' she said. "'I am not at all.' "'Well, then, why shouldn't we have a look at Kildee River? You said we must.' "'Oh, if you like it,' said Faith, a bright little tinge of pleasure coming on to her cheek, and her sunbonnet was in hand immediately. "'But aren't you tired?' she added doubtfully, as they were passing out of the door. "'You have been hard at work.' "'You will have to pay for saying you are not, Miss Faith. I mean to make you run all the way down to the bank.' And holding out his hand to her, Mr. Linden half made his threat good, for though his own pace was not much more than a quick walk, by means of skilful shortcuts and long steps, Faith had a gentle little run a good part of the way, not down through the crowd of boys in baskets, but skirting the meadow passing from the shelter of one great tree to another, till they reached the bank and saw the blue waters of Kildeer River at their feet. There she was permitted to sit down and rest, a little laughing and a little flustered. Her happy look was almost brought back again. But she sat and gazed down at the pretty stream and its picturesque banks without saying anything, letting Mr. Linden take his own view of them. His own view is a peculiar one, to judge by his words. "'Miss Faith, I suppose you are not much acquainted with law forms. "'Yet you perhaps know that an important witness in an important case "'is sometimes put in prison until his evidence is obtained.' "'Faith looked up at him in pure astonishment, "'the corners of her mouth indicating that she expected another puzzle, 
or rather was already engaged in one. The look made his gravity give way a little. "'I thought you might like to know your position at present,' he said. "'I don't know it yet, Mr. Linden.' "'It is that of the unfortunate prisoner to whom I referred.' "'A prisoner?' said Faith, looking up at him very much amused. "'Well, Mr. Linden.' He looked amused, too, yet with a difference. "'Well, Miss Faith, you are a prisoner for political purposes. There is no practicable way for you to get back to the house save through the witness-box.' "'Where is the witness-box?' said Faith. "'Are you in a hurry to be in it?' "'No,' said Faith, with a very unshadowed smile. "'I am not in a hurry for anything.' "'Then tell me what you have been reading today,' he said, throwing himself down in the grass beside her. She looked at him, hesitated, then said with a lowered tone, "'I have been reading what you told me to read, and my testament.' Mr. Linden shifted his hat a little, replaced it, rather more down over his brows than before, looking steadily down at Kildeer River the while. "'Why did you look grave when I asked you if you had brought Le Philosophie?' "'I didn't know I did,' said Faith simply. "'I had brought only my testament.' "'Only,' Mr. Linden repeated. "'Well, from only a testament, and only such a scene, a skilful reader may get much.' Then turning and looking her full in the face, he said, "'Miss Faith, what have those boys done to vex you?' A sudden, painful, startled flush answered him. She did not look now, and said, she said earnestly, "'Please, Mr. Linden, don't speak of it.' "'I must know,' was his only answer. "'No,' she said gently but troubled. "'You mustn't know. "'And there is no need you should. "'There is no need,' she repeated eagerly. "'There is another true little witness I can call upon, "'but I would rather have your account.' "'How did you know? "'How did you know anything about it?' "'said Faith, facing round upon him in her turn. "'Gentlemen of what Miss Donforth is pleased to call my profession "'must know things occasionally,' said Mr. Linden. "'What do you think you know?' she said a little timidly. His answer was gentle, though resolute. "'I don't think I know anything. What I know, I know. What I do not, I will.' Faith's head half dropped for an instant, and the flush which had faded came back painfully. Then she looked at him again, and though the flush was there, she spoke as usual. "'You won't try, Mr. Linden, because I'm going to ask you not. It is nothing you need take up.' It was nothing, but perhaps I was foolish to mind. I don't mind it now, much. But there was a grave falling off in the tone of that much. She felt it herself, for she rallied and said in her own quiet, frank smile, I shall not mind it at all tomorrow. Mr. Linden looked at her while she spoke, gravely and intently enough, but then he looked away at the river again, and probably read problems in its soft, rippling waters, for he spoke not. Overhead, a hawk sailed noiselessly to and fro on spread wings. In the trees close at hand, a squirrel chattered and barked with its mouth full. The afternoon light left Kildee River step by step, and the shadows crept after. Now the one white speck of cloud reflected on that peaceful stream was no break in its beauty. It marred nothing, nay, even brought a little glow of its own to replace the sunbeams. Yet at that speck did Mr. Linden take aim sending his pebbles so surely, so powerfully, that the mirror itself was shattered to the remotest shore. Then he stood up and announced that it was time to go. Faith stood up, but stood still, and waited somewhat anxiously upon the answer to her question. Then, Mr. Linden, will you not speak of it any more? The witness is discharged, he answered lightly, and walking on. She sprang after and placed herself directly in his way. 
Mr. Linden, please give me your promise. He looked down at her with eyes that were a little moved. Miss Faith, he said, please give me yours. For what? said Faith. That you will trust me, and not ask what I do. Yes, said Faith, but you must trust me, Mr. Linden, she said, smiling at him. And believe me that this is nothing for you to take up. Mere nonsense. Nothing at all tomorrow. It is nothing to me now. I want your word. She wanted it very much, it was easy to see, but beyond that her faith did not belie her words. "'I don't suppose Mrs. Derrick ever called you naughty child,' said Mr. Linden. "'But if ever she did, she might to-night. Look where the sun is, and where I am, and guess where those boys are. Come.' And it was not easy to resist the hand that again took hold of hers, nor the quick pace at which he went forward. For some field's length, Faith yielded and went as fast as he pleased. Then, as he stopped to put up a bar-place, she said again, very gently, but firmly too, standing before him, "'Mr. Linden, I think I have a right to ask this. I know what I ask, but you do not.' "'I never questioned your right, Miss Faith.' "'Then you'll not deny it to me.' "'What is your idea of trust?' said Mr. Linden, replacing the last bar. "'That it is something I ought to have just now,' said Faith, smiling a little. He stood leaning on the bars and looking at her, a kind look, that she might well trust. "'Child,' he said, "'you don't know what you are talking about, and I do. And if you will not trust me any further than you can see me, you don't deserve to be called Miss Faith any longer. Now, don't you think I have a right to get home and attend to my duties?' She yielded utterly at that, but with a set of her lip which he had never seen before, it was trembling. She was turning to go on, when, as if to make amends for that, or to ask forgiveness generally, or to give assurance of the trust he had claimed, she stretched out her hand to him and went by his help again, until the orchard was reached and other eyes might be expected to be on the outlook for them. "'Do you like to read letters written from other countries by people you have never seen?' Mr. Linden said when they reached that point. Faith's eyes opened slightly, as was their way when suddenly astonished, and a little colour started too, of surprise or pleasure. "'I never did read any,' she said. "'I should like it.' "'Well, Miss Faith, I think Mrs. Derrick and Reuben can manage that brown horse, especially as he has had no oats to-day, and I want you to take possession of the whole of the back seat, put yourself in a comfortable position, and spend the rest of the daylight in Italy with my sister. When it gets dark you may go to sleep, and here is the talismanic paper by whom's help you must make the journey.' What a colour thanked him! What a rosy flush of pleasure and gratitude! To say thank you, Faith nearly forgot, but it was said. There was no more delay of any kind after that. Wagons were ready, and baskets and boys, also Mrs. Derrick, and Faith was ready first of all. So the two parties, now getting under way, went fairly homewards by an evening sky and a night full of stars. Only one incident need be recorded. The ferry was passed, and four of the six miles between that and the central town of Patacasset, when Mr. Linden suddenly checked his horses, turning half round and laying a pretty imperative hand on the collar of Phil David's, he dropped him outside the wagon, like a walnut from its husk, remarking that he had seen enough of him for one day and did not wish to hear of him again until next morning. End of chapter 10 Recording by Susanna Mason